Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntras here. Got a great one for you today. Dirk Wood from IDW is uh, a marketing guy that I've known for as long as I've been covering comic books. Became aware of him very quickly. Uh, used to be uh, an advanced man as well for Dark Horse and has been, you know, just one of those really engaging guys. I've seen him in action at convention panels, at Diamond Retailer Summits, and he gets comics. And I'll be honest, I'm really excited about his uh, Kickstarter campaign that he's got going with IDW for a new, I don't know what you call it, It's I guess it's in a magazine format, but they're hardcover books. Uh, Full Bleed is a new um, journal, a uh, periodical that he's going to put out quarterly through IDW, and uh, it's comics, it's essays about pop culture, it's articles, uh, it's interviews with incredibly creative people. In uh, the first book, there's an Alan Moore interview that was intended for Rolling Stone, but didn't make it in the magazine, so they put it in here. Shelley Bond does an incredible interview with Gerard Way of My Chemical Romance, and of course DC's Young Animal, and The Umbrella Academy, the showrunner of the very popular uh, Dirk Chantley Holistic Agency uh, series, did an interview or does an essay on uh, D- Douglas Adams. It's it's amazing, and there's some great indie comics in there, and it's a, it's a great representation of today's geek culture. Now, you know, there's going to be people that are going to say, well, IDW is a thriving company, why don't they just put this out? Um, I, I think this is a specialty product that deserves to know exactly what kind of audience they're going to have. And also, it's not just going to be exclusive to the Kickstarter people. They're going to get the first edition, which is great. But I think it's an interesting way to kind of test um, the the want for something like this because it's not easy out there. And I do think that uh, Dirk has collected a lot of very special content in this uh, full bleed and again, I, I think uh, when you listen to him talk about it on today's conversation, you'll probably agree. Plus, Dirk's a fun guy, and uh, I enjoy talking to him. We we did a panel together in San Diego years and years ago. It was either San Diego or New York, I forget. Almost 10 years ago, at least. And, uh, you know, again, I've always thought he was a funny guy and fun to see, and uh, I'm always happy to see him at conventions. Looking forward to seeing him in New York Comic Con in just a couple days. But, uh, I, you know, this, uh, by the way, he's going to have a great uh, panel about uh, his uh, Woodworks imprint and, of course, Full Bleed. He's going to be sharing the stage with Shelley Bond. We talk a bit about that. I think it's one of the go-to panels for uh, New York Comic Con. I'm certainly going to be there. Dirk Wood on today's Word Balloon, all brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you, League, for your support. We're at the start of a new month, and, uh, you know, I, I uh, got the uh, wonderful support from the League via Patreon and thank you. There's uh, there's some new people that have jumped on, and I, I can't thank you enough for your support. It means a lot. It makes it easier for me to get to conventions like New York and uh, be able to network and, uh, you know, make the connections for new and uh, hopefully great uh, conversations on Word Balloon. I think the proof is in the show each uh, couple days that I try to put these things out, and I hope you're enjoying uh, the uh, the great conversations that have been going on at Word Balloon. If you like Word Balloon and you think you can, su- you know, subscribe to the show... Uh, can you uh, spare the amount of a comic book each month? Is Word Balloon worth that much to you? If it is, uh, go to patreon.com slash wordballoon, and you can contribute there, or go to wordballoon.com, and there's a Patreon ad that will take you to uh, the Word Balloon uh, portal uh, over there at Patreon. But thank you very much for your support. As always, League of Word Balloon listeners. 
Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. New month, new deals at InStock Trades. There are things like uh, the Superman Rebirth Deluxe Collection, eight, the hardcover volume one. This collects the first 13 issues of Pete Tomasi and Pat Leeson's run. It's been fun. Doug Monkey, of course, on there as well. I have a Doug Monkey Superman sketch that Doug did for me at last year's New York Comic Con, and it is one of my most valued possessions. And taking nothing away from uh, Pat Gleason's uh, work on the book as well. But uh, Superman is being done right again at DC. It's been a long, long time. And uh, I I can't say enough how excited I am about the output that uh, Pete and Dan Juergens are doing on Superman. But this is uh, Pete's book, the Superman book. And it's uh, 50% off, $17.49. You can get the Planet Hulk omnibus hardcover uh, at Greg Pak how great Planet Hulk was. Uh, This thing collects the whole story. It also has the What If Planet Hulk story, uh, the Planet Hulk Gladiator guidebook, and material from New Avengers, the Illuminati, number one, and uh, Amazing Fantasy, the 2004 run of Amazing Fantasy, number 15. Uh, It's uh, how many pages? 656 pages, 42% off. It's $58 at InStockTrades.com. There's more great books uh, waiting for you at InStock Trades. Check them out for yourself, and uh, you'll find great books at great prices. Don't forget, if your orders are $50 or more, you'll get free shipping from InStockTrades.com. Okay, without further ado, let's get to our great conversation with Dirk Wood about the full bleed and about woodworks and some uh, other great conversation as well. Dirk Wood from IDW, now on Word Balloon. Dirk Wood. Welcome back to Word Balloon. I think this is our first one-on-one official, but I know I'm reasonably certain that I recorded a panel we did in San Diego or oh, New York years sure. ago. Yeah. So yeah, you that's know, right. But Boy, it's, it's uh, like trying to remember old phone numbers. I, I can hardly remember what I did yesterday, let alone uh, whatever that was. But, but nice to be on. Absolutely, man. No, a long time coming in terms of us doing this. I, yeah, thanks for having to, me. Hey, I'm always happy to see you at cons. And, oh. uh, you know, the brief moment, because we're always both running and, you know, you've got a million. Of course. To do. No, you too. But uh, all right. Too. Now, let's let's talk about this. Uh, this ma- I don't want to call it a magazine because it's a hardcover. It's it's a that's kin- right. It's akin to me to like a McSweeney's kind of project. Is that a fair comparison? You are definitely in the ballpark. That was one of my first thoughts and comparisons when Ted and I started talking about this, actually, was sort of doing a little bit for the comic market, what McSweeney's does for the rest of the world. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, you're in the ballpark. Describe, you know, well, then in your words, describe All what, right. uh, what the Kickstarter is about here. All right, cool. Well, uh, well, first off, thanks for what you do, too. I actually just listened to the one you did with Shelly. It was awesome. Cool, It was man. super great. Yeah, no, I, I love what you do, so I'm thrilled to be on. But, uh yeah, to whore myself out for a second, the full, full bleed itself, what it is, is it's a it's a quarterly 200-page print-only hardcover magazine. I'll do the air quotes like Shelly did. Yep. Um, you know, yeah, it, it is it is a magazine in so much as the content is generated as if it was a periodical. It's just that there's a lot of content, and it is collected in a real sort of prize package. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's going to – it's new comic content. A little bit of, of uh, dissection of old comic content, deep dive interviews, non-comic stuff. We're going to have music, film, TV, politics, opinion. There's going to be just a, a total mishmash of all sorts of stuff going into it. So I'm, I'm super excited about it. And it's a print only. Uh, Correct. Product. So first of all, why not a digital one as well? 
Ah, well, there's a, and you know, I, I'm glad you do long podcasts because there's all sorts of reasons for that. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, you know, one of them, it just, it, it, it sort of started. And if we kind of go back to the genesis of the idea that, uh, to be perfectly honest during the election results in last November, Ted and I were having a heart to heart conversation that had nothing to do with comics, just about the state of the world. We were sitting in his office, just sort of blabbing about and, and Ted, like myself, has sort of been lamenting and not just because of the election, but because of a lot of things, just a uh, sort of the post literacy of America in a way. Mm-hmm. And so in a really sincere way, Ted said, hey, what can we do about this? You know, like in some small way, we can love our families and we can make smart books for smart people. You know, and we just kind of got to talking and simultaneously we were talking about just what we could do with this Portland satellite office that I've created and what should sort of be our mission statement up here. And that was the and we're like, you know what? We like print books. Not everybody does, but a lot of people still do. And we just thought there was something to the idea of making something totally print only completely and just issuing the digital world for this project. Now, IDW is still aggressive about what we do digitally, mm-hmm. and we certainly have no problem with people that like to read that way. It's just that this book we feel is going to be best represented as a print only project. That's the short version. Okay, because, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, well, and hey, man, I, I, buy, I still buy hardcover and I still buy trades and, and softcover sure. and paperbacks and I still buy digital. Um, yeah. It's just, and I, and I again, I, 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 I always question when you narrow an audience if that's, right. if that's always the, the best way to go. And, I mean, I, yeah. I, th- I think from a content standpoint, you know, I, I got to see a little bit of what's inside uh, sure. the first issue. And honestly, I like what I saw. I thought a lot of it was great. I Thank thought the comics were cool. Rob Salkowitz has a really interesting article. Ted, yeah, that's great. Ted does a, a great look at um, the Cuban uh, book festival, and I'm forgetting what it was called. Yeah, that was so – you know, it's funny. When your boss tells you he's writing an article for your magazine, your first reaction is like, oh, no. you know. And then it showed up and was fantastic. So it's like, okay, that's a relief. you know. Yeah, like a, but, the Havana Book uh, Expo or something. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. Which is amazing and really interesting, especially given its location and the politics of Cuba. Uh, right. You know, yeah, I, no, it was it, it was really interesting. And, yeah. And, and again, the, even the things I haven't seen – Based on the descriptions, you know, uh, an interview with Alan Moore that was supposed to, I guess, go into Rolling Stone and did. Yep. Yep. Which is amazing. And I, I was a little concerned out of the I heard about it. And, uh, you know, I was worried it'd be a little bit dated. And it's not at all. It's like ripped from the headlines type. It's everything you would expect from an Alan Moore interview. You know, it's great. Cool. Well, God, yeah, um, deep thinker, obviously. And uh, oh, yeah. Douglas Adams yeah. Uh, uh, profile piece. Yeah, that's by Arvin Ethan David, who uh, is the producer of the Dirk Gently TV show. And he that's that's a great little story because he when he went to Oxford as a young man, he put on a play of Dirk Gently, which was, of course, a Douglas Adams book and got and got Adams approval for that. And so it's sort of his personal story of meeting Douglas Adams and and running this play when he was a a young sort of, you know, stars in his eyes kind of guy. And that's great. Another thing I'm super excited about is uh, Calvin Reed. I'm sure he's a mutual friend. I'm from, a big fan, absolutely, uh, from Publishers yeah. Weekly, yes. 
Well, I just thought of it because he was actually in Havana with Ted, and that was those he and Ted and Calvin really hit it off. And so Calvin's doing a story about the uh, Lower East Side and the history of comics there. Cool. And and those conversations, it's funny. Ted started telling Calvin a little bit about what we were doing, and he got super excited about it, and and it sort of sprung from there. That's excellent. And you know, that's funny because I think it was on the Publisher Weekly uh, podcast that I likely heard Calvin. And Heidi yeah. talking about uh, the Havana uh, thing, so that makes a lot oh, of sure. sense. So, yeah. No, Calvin, I love Calvin because he's he's older than us and still has and he, as much passion as any twenty year old just getting into comics. Oh, yeah, or more. And he, he is older than us, but he looks younger than me. So, I <laughs> me mean, too. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's doing, I love Calvin. But so I'm excited for that piece. Well, because you know, I don't know how what your experience has been uh, in talking to. Old older people like unfortunately you know we just lost Len Wein and I know Len I, was still you know it's it's interesting because obviously he was still passionate about the comics he was writing but sure. uh, but I talked to people of his generation and it's like are you still reading and most of yeah. them are like eh, not really you know or or yeah. you know not as you know not as much as you think or what I need to to write the right. mainstream stories that I do and like I said Calvin's a guy that's not that much younger than those guys and he's he's still very vested and into all this oh stuff. he's so excited yeah I know. I know. He's one of those guys I talk to where I feel like he, you know, every time I, you know, going back years, I would be talking about whatever projects we were working on, either in my Dark Horse days or at IDW. And his reaction, and he was so excited about this stuff, made me sort of up my game. I, you know, I, it made me think like, wow, yeah, I need to be as excited as Calvin is about this stuff. You know, he's a great, he's a great guy. And, you know, like anything, if you work long enough in any industry, that's what you're battling is the, you know, it becomes a job. You know, and of course it is a job. It's you're doing professional things for with professional people, but you can't lose that childlike excitement and wonder. You know, I mean, it's you bring up Len Wein. I mean, the first comic I ever saw on a spinner rack was it was actually a reprint of Swamp Thing number five. <laughs> you know, it with uh, it was the I think it was number five. I'm pretty sure it was Bernie's cover where you know it's the witch burning at the stake and okay. Swamp. You know. And it, I, to this day, it's kind of responsible for my goofy career, you know. No, he, you know, he he was great, and and also I don't begrudge anybody that has been making the donuts as long as a lot of these guys have. Being sure. like, yeah, I get enough of that on my day job. Okay, I don't need, yeah. I don't need to sit down with a comic to unwind. For me, that's work. So I, right. you know, if that if that's the reason why or whatever, it's okay. Yeah. But that's the thing. I really think that, as I'm sure you do, and in fact, this project I think represents it. I, I really think comics is at a very exciting time because oh me too it it really kind of combines everything that was great of the previous decades, but now because of creator own the ability to self publish uh, the the landscape that the internet provides now I think reaching a larger audience is really at a, at, a, at a huge point and also the quality of the work just keeps improving and yeah. innovating so now it's like. There are too many good comics. There's too many good projects. That's true. To be able yeah. to really, you know, patronize all of them. And then also, um, you know, again, it's finally at a point where it deserves a good level of criticism. Again, that was always there in things like the Comics Journal and, you know, Amazing Heroes sure. and some of the other uh, comic periodicals of the, of, the, of the day. But, yeah, I mean, it's just like now it's really – it's got a chance to go to that next level. And so that's yeah. why I think it's important to have older voices along with younger voices kind of – you know, who have the perspective and can talk about what's going on. 
I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, we have many mission statements with this thing, but that is definitely one of them. And, you know, it's funny. I did a, a an AMA thing yesterday. Okay. And, and one of the questions was, you know, from someone I'm not familiar with said, uh, you know, would you say this is it's aimed at an older audience? And I actually thought, well, no, I, I in fact, one of our big plans um, and this has sort of started happening by happenstance beyond being totally focused on it, but that sure that, you know, we've got some traditional, you know, Alan Moore, of course, has been around for ages there, you know, the Stephen King interview, I think that sort of transcends age in a lot of ways. I think, um, you know, Joe Lansdale is a super popular writer, but he's probably got a little bit older demographic, but then we have other content in there. Well, one thing springs to mind, Aaron nations, who's a, uh, a, a fascinating and great cartoonist who's doing a lot of top shelf work is a, is a, a young trans male and has done a an autobiographical story about uh, going through a second puberty as a result of taking hormones. And yes. it's this, it, and it, you know, it's this young voice. It's an interesting new voice. And, you know, what I'd like to do is uh, basically stretch the horizons of both young and old readers. They, they get people that, you know, they may have come in for the Stephen King interview or the Lansdale story, but they find themselves reading Aaron's story and are fascinated by it. Similarly, fans of Aaron's might be, you know, brought to some of the, the, the material, the classic stuff they didn't know was there. So that's the idea to to to. Please, you know, you can't please everybody, of course, but I guess that's what we're trying to do. No, and I and I, I get that, and I think that's great. Uh, but again, I, I the one thing that I keep coming back to is just the the the, the having it only be, you know, a print product and everything, and kind of a narrow audience. I'm glad that you've got um, the retailer incentive, and I don't know how many retailers are picking up on that as far as your a lot so, so far. far. Good, yeah, I'm glad a to lot hear. so far, and I'm getting a lot of you know. Actually, there's several retailers have contacted me, and this and this is you know, no one's tried doing this before, so we knew it was a bit of an experiment. But uh, I mean, I'm a comic shop guy. I will always be a comic shop guy. I w- you know we wouldn't have gone print only if I wasn't a comic shop guy. But you know it's so we we wanted to do Kickstarter for a variety of reasons we've outlined, which I can get into. But we also want comic shops to be a, a definite location for this and so uh yeah having diamond distribute it but basically a lot of shops have contacted me uh, you know midtown and several of the uk accounts that are uh, they're basically taking orders as we speak mm-hmm. so they're they're taking orders from their people they've essentially solicited it to their fans and then they're going to come in at the end of the kickstarter so we're expecting the last you know couple days will be pretty big but uh, but then I've also seen a ton of retailers already just place their orders, so that's that's good to see. You're midway through the campaign. You've reached your goal, which yep. is good. So yep. so let's get into the Kickstarter stuff. Why why did sure. this? Why did you guys feel this needed to be a Kickstarter project? You know, of course, that um, when a publisher goes to an yep. established publisher goes to Kickstarter, people do kind of go, well, wait a minute, why why is this sure. happening rather than rather than the creator owned person going that way? Sure, and and I've been one of those people. I understand that. You know, it, it's it's uh but there there are multiple reasons for it. And and it, it's it was an idea a long time in the coming that we that we tweaked o- over the months. But Basically, you know, one there, there are several facets, but one of which is that, uh, you know, in historically in magazine publishing, periodical publishing, there are two things that keep magazines alive, which is advertising and subscriptions. You know, that's that's sort of the, that's the old model, basically. Yeah. And so we didn't want to do any advertising. I think ad, ads in a hardcover book are kind of lame anyway. That's me. Um 
And so we needed to find subscribers. That was the idea. And Kickstarter to us seems sort of like the modern day equivalent of a subscription based business in a lot of ways. And this was a way to reach those readers directly. Also, you know, that the, basically the we were a little bit scared of the idea of soliciting this book in the normal old fashioned way and not, you know, people not understanding quite what it was. We needed to get some steam behind this thing, get the concept out in the world. So people are excited about it, meaning, you know, readers that are inclined to buy on Kickstarter or to go to their local comic book shop. Um, and so I think we're succeeding in that. It certainly seems like it. The, even the, those people that haven't necessarily bought in, I've been sharing it. There's been a, it's it's been out there in the world. And so I think if we had run a half page ad in previews and just trotted it out there, I mean, this is just full disclosure. I think you know the worry would be we'd sell six or seven hundred copies and it would become an unsustainable model because it's expensive to produce. You know, yeah. and so we so we try we settled into this idea where it was like, OK, you know, now, first of all, we're not selling it on in the book market or Amazon. And so I, I feel like making comic shops the absolute destination for this book beyond those who have subscribed on Kickstarter, you know, and if you see it on your friend's shelf, you've got to go into a comic shop to get it once the Kickstarter is over. And so we'll be making big hay about that at the end. I, you know, is it a perfect business model? I don't know. I, I don't, I, I, you know, I mean, based on the amount of emails I've had to answer, probably not, but it's a, you know, it, it was a sincere attempt for us to bring comic shops in and be able to take advantage of the marketing that Kickstarter provides. And, you know, we've hit our our goal, our public goal, but it was never about generating cash. You know as well as I do that IDW has been very successful and we don't need to generate cash in order to produce this book. But to make a profitable book, we needed to get the word out. And that's that's how we did it. Okay. For so, good or ill. So, so now you've got seven – like as we're recording this interview, you've got right. 726 backers. Yeah, it's uh, you. You want your goal was fifty thousand dollars. You're at sixty seven thousand eight seventy seven at this moment. Yeah. Um, so how many can you say with like what kind of count publishing count you will have beyond the backers? Like how many? Well, you know, will this it, generate? You know, and how, you know, in stores and and the like. You know, it's it's a little hard to say at this point, and I'm not trying to be cagey. It's just sort of the math is funky, and it's been a because of those, you know, of the uh, the 726 people who have chimed in, who I appreciate every single one of them. Of course, yeah. uh, you know, some of them have bought you know, bought in for the first volume. Some of them have bought in for the first four. Some of them have bought in for the first two. Some, you know, and so it's a little bit difficult to say like we will break even when it hits X. You know, because there are costs associated with every volume going out, et cetera. Um, the idea is that, you know, if this if we can blow this up to a, another level and, you know, I mean, I have some sort of anecdotal evidence that, you know, we had, for example, Stephen King's Facebook page, you know, shared it out. And right. that got, you know, that got thirty seven hundred likes and a couple hundred shares. And, OK. And and I saw a spike. And so certainly, you know sort of your mainstream King fans are not someone who would have necessarily gone into a comic shop from the get go. Sure. And that's what we want to find as many people who might not normally go into a shop and buy this book as we can. And then blam, load up the comic shops and have everybody roll in after that. And so, but yeah, in terms of exact numbers, it's, it's honestly a little bit hard to pinpoint. I, I think the idea is we're going to overprint it 
pretty substantially. I would, you know, off the top of my head, it's hard to put a number on it, but probably an extra thousand copies or so and offer it as a quick solicit to the direct market after the Kickstarter closes. And they've been notified of this, actually, saying, you know, essentially saying, hey, if you want to be guaranteed a first print of this book and stop me when I'm too insider baseball. No, this is this is no, this is all exactly (laughs) that I think people who follow this stuff want to know. So please continue. Okay, yeah. So the idea is to overprint it. And then as soon as the Kickstarter is over, do a massive PR blitz that basically says, hey, thanks for all your support. Now the only place to get it is in comic shops. Make the remaining copies available to comic shops, load them up, and then depending on the demand that we hope that we see, go to a second print and keep in a print sort of as an evergreen. Would for for the following volume, would there be a second campaign possibly, or that's, that depends that's, on the market response? No, it will be. Now, will it be as big a blitz as we've done for the first one? That's a little bit TBD, sure. you know. But definitely for everybody who's bought in for the first volume, we want to make the second volume available to them as well. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll run out another campaign for volume two and then they can buy, you know, then at that point you can buy in for two, three and four if you, you know, and then we'll say if there's any left of volume one, maybe we'll make some of those available or something with a new variant cover. I don't know. Okay. But, but uh, yeah, that's, that, that sort of has to be figured out. I got to survive this first one first. I understand. I, yeah. <laughs> what, what kind of experience uh, beyond this campaign have you had with Kickstarter? Oh, my God. I will tell you this, that, you know, to anybody listening, if you're thinking about it, don't do it. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But it, it is it has been work intensive. <laughs> and it's been great. The people at Kickstarter uh, that I've talked to and that have helped me through the process have been fantastic. I need to do a shout out to my friend John Nee at Cryptozoic, who's been uh, really helpful throughout this process. Just sort of, they've done so many Kickstarters in the past. He let me know a lot about what to expect. Smart. And then our IDW Games guys have been through this before, and then have been invaluable in terms of advice. And so, uh, but yeah, just on a on a, a pure visceral work level, it is intense. Yeah. And, and and doing it simultaneously while putting the the actual magazine together has not been for the faint of heart. But it's fun work. I, I'm not complaining. You know, it's a lot of fun. That's cool, man. No, and I, honestly, I, I don't envy you because I've talked to Paul Jenkins and Jimmy Palmiotti and, sure. you know, uh, men, mostly men. I Forgive me. I haven't really talked to any women that have done uh, Kickstarter campaigns. But I've yeah. talked to a few women who have done it, actually. Shauna Gore did one that was, uh, you know, if you know Shauna, she used to work at Dark Horse. She's actually doing an article for Full Bleed. Cool. She, she did one for a rock poster book that was very successful. Uh, and Shelley Bond actually did one. Oh, I had I'm no forget- idea. Oh, that's Yeah, for, I'm forgetting the details on it, but it was uh, just shortly before she joined IDW, she ran one. And, of course, Shelley's got her interview with Gerard Way in the, in the first Full Bleed issue. Yeah, that's it. That that's the idea. She's going to be talking to Gerard and Gerard. You know, I know Gerard back from my days working with him on Umbrella Academy stuff over at Dark Horse. I love that guy. That's cool. Yeah. No, I. You know, again, I think the product itself is great, and I, and I appreciate the the explanation of why you know the Kickstarter you know made sense for this project, uh, as you guys see it, and I and I I think that that is understandable, and also the, again that you are addressing that you know eventually there'll be a, a direct market version as well so that's right that, that's i think that's all good and and also i mean that's the thing when i talk to retailers about kickstarter they're not offended and they're like no it's you know proof of concept and especially right. they appreciate to be able to participate at some sort of vendor level and i know that's been kind of a back and forth thing with kickstarter as well like kind of yeah. working out the kinks of 
you know, making it work so that stores can also crowdfund and get involved in a certain way. And that, like, sure. you know, there were just a lot of, and I don't even know how much of it was legalities in terms of being able to sell a certain way, if that involved the right. FTC, Federal Trade Commission kind of uh, laws and yeah. bylaws and stuff. So I understand that it is kind of a organic process between Kickstarter and the people that, you know, choose to do crowdfunding uh, campaigns. Sure. Yeah, and you're right. That's over my pay grade to figure out a lot of that stuff. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I will say that Diamond and uh, Tim Lanahan over there, I don't know if you know Tim, but Tim is an awesome guy. Okay. And, and uh, they were so – I mean, I, I just sprung this idea on them. Like, you know, I, I when, when the whole idea started, I was like, I, you know, we thought, hey, let's do a Kickstarter. And I was like, yes, but I want to get comic shops involved. Good. And so, so I reached out to Tim and we started – I mean, it – months of back and forth occasional phone calls and over a couple beers and at uh, C2E2 I think we sort of hammered out the details and, and Diamond was just so willing to work with us on this that uh, it, it was really cool because they, they easily could not have you know sure. um, but uh, yeah that, so that's you know when it comes to the fulfillment stage I mean you know the, as you know the, the shipping of Kickstarter is always a challenge yep. you know oh, yeah. and it's I mean, it's especially internationally, it's obviously is tough and I wish we could make it all cheaper than we can. But for the shops in particular, I thought, oh, man, there's got to be a way to to help them. And that was sort of the idea. Like, well, if they if Diamond fulfills it to them and their regular shipments, they're paying the same thing they would for any book. Cool. You know. OK. So that was the idea. And I think I think it's working. Are there any other weird things that having IDW's, you know, corporate structure you know makes it easier i think to probably deal with you know fulfilling a kickstarter campaign obviously in a lot of ways that you know it does make it easier than a, an individual trying to do all this stuff again i go sure, back to probably. paul and jimmy obviously you know telling me they're you know mail going to the post office stories and stuff and jimmy's always like i always buy like buy those guys lunch you know like he right. buys the whole post office lunch which is smart yeah. because you know hey man they feel good about him and when he comes yeah. with this couple hundred you know pack packages that he that they have to deal with you know, it's, yeah. it's okay. It's Jimmy. He bought his lunch. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll do it right. I know. Where's my lunch, Jimmy? Come on. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm sure you're right. I, I, you know, there are probably ways that the, the privilege of working for a large organization helps. I, you know, but th then at the end of the day, also, it's still just coordinating all of it. You right, know, right. it's, uh, it, it is, it is a beast. You know, and as soon as I survive this part, I go heavy into the fulfillment side of things. We've got an excellent plan for that, but yeah, it's going to be a lot of a lot of uh, busy work to get it, get it moving the right way. So, what are some of the other influences of of you know previous publications that are are going into full bleed? We mentioned McSweeney's, and I, yeah. I appreciate you getting into where we are culturally right now. Obviously, being another reason sure. to, to make this thing. But yeah, what, what other, what other, uh, well, you know, yeah. Give me some other, you mentioned that you actually mentioned one of my inspirations and, and Ted's as well, which was a uh, comics journal. The old, the old fanographics yeah. comics journals, print the, what the print ones they did. I've still got, in fact, sitting right behind me is the Joe Sacco volume. Oh, cool. That they, you know, <laughs> That's from, cool. Yeah, from whenever that was, you know, 2001 or something. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, I loved those super long interviews and the fate that, and I, I I loved what they what they did. I, and another odd, you wouldn't you wouldn't expect that. I mean, a lot of sort of other things like raw. You know, I was a sure. big fan of the raw. You know, um, them, absolutely. Oh yeah, um, I'm a huge fan of arts. I, you know, but then beyond comics, I, you know, now format wise, this will make no sense. But Rolling Stone, you know, what, and I've I've told this to a couple of people, but 
I always like the idea that Rolling Stone is ostensibly about music, but you'll be flipping through an issue and there's an article about climate change or an article about prison conditions yep. or whatever. Matt Tybee, PJ O'Rourke back in the day. Sure. You know, I mean, a, yeah. lot of, a lot of really Hunter S. Thompson, of course, you know, I mean, a lot of great uh, journalists, obviously, right. uh, were part of Rolling Stone and not just talking about music, but again, the culture that was building around music. Right. And so uh, on some respects, and it sounds pompous to say so, but we want to do the same thing for comics that Rolling Stone did for music, which is make comics sort of the starting point at ex examining the larger culture surrounding it and beyond it. You know, I mean, in the first volume, there's the, there's an article about uh, a famous war photographer named Don McCullen. There's an article about uh, uh, a couple of guys I know going to Japan and drinking whiskey. They really don't have a lot to do with comics other than the spot illustrations are done by the amazing Sarah Richard, who does My Little Pony comics and, and things like that. But I, li I like the idea of stretching those boundaries, having enough comic stuff in there to keep everyone interested and dragging him just a little beyond that. And then, you know, maybe maybe there's some, like the Stephen King in interview is the obvious ex you know sure. example of dragging in people from outside of comics and getting them to take a look at, at what we do. You know, well, not everybody's going to bite, but but that's the idea. No, I get it, man. And I also think that um, you can't keep culture out of the conversation uh, as right. far as anything. And I and I, you know, there's always that saying, uh, you know, uh, polite conversation. You shouldn't talk politics or whatever. But right. it's ignoring what's going on. And I really do think, obviously, the events of, you know, certainly in the in the last 12, you know, year. Oh, or yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just pretty obvious that. People have something to say. And again, we being a little bit older, we've seen it in previous generations as well. So now this is the, you know, this is, these are the cultural questions that this generation is dealing with. And some people don't want to and just really want their popcorn entertainment and, and just want to be left alone and enjoy their, you know, their genre books, whatever genre they're into and, and leave the sure. real world out of it. But I do think that it's fair for, Artistic art, artists and and creative people to to kind of have a place to talk about what's going on. So no, I I get the Rolling yeah. Stone analogy, and I think it's sure. Yeah, I think it's welcomed. And again, I think you've collected a lot of interesting people that you know are, have have great articles and and other contributions to the magazine. That yeah, I'm, I'm kind of glad that it's happening. So no, that's the idea. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And you know, I would add to that actually that that uh, a sort of a not obvious influence that I have is Mad Magazine. I mean, I grew up on Mad, <laughs> and if you want to talk about something that's basically just purely for entertainment, but it is not shy about politics and never has been. No, it never has been. You know, and uh, but at the same time, so our big thing in the first volume is Bob Fingerman did these incredible watercolors cool. of of the whole Trump uh, sort of oh, uh, cabal. That's who, that's who did those. Okay, I saw yeah. those. All right, very cool. That's Bob. And and uh, But then he wrote a long political rant to go with those watercolors, and he's got more watercolors coming, and it's, it's, it's great. But I don't want it to also dominate the thing, you know? I, I mean, it, like, right. I mean, I, I think it would be dishonest of me in some respects to put out a, a book that didn't have a little bit of that when I'm covering supposedly all culture. Obviously, that's a big thing going on, but I don't expect it to dominate the proceedings. A lot of what's in the first volume, you know, you and, and I also wanted to have a certain timelessness, you know, uh, I mean, I, I, I like I want it to be able to be pegged from its era, but I don't want it to expire on the newsstand every two months. Absolutely. You know? I mean, I, no, I think you're right. I think so. it needs to be. And especially given that you're going to do two volumes a year. Uh, four. Oh, you are. Oh, it's going to be quarterly. 
Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Trust me. It's it's a lot of work, Jesus. but it's good. But All right. there's a ton of great stuff. I mean, the the, the content that we've announced there's beyond that. There's some stuff coming that's going to knock people's socks off. We're just not ready to announce. But um, well, we, we're, I, I look forward actually to just getting the first volume out there, getting the Kickstarter past us, and starting to slowly release all those details about everything coming down the pipe. So that'll be fun. Are you doing a panel at New York to specifically talk about this? Indeed, oh, I'm actually. Great. Yeah, I'm actually sharing a panel with Shelley Bond. I, I don't know if you know. I'm so, sure you've so talked. So half black crown, half uh, half full bleed. That's correct. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, we just had Shelley. As you said, you heard the interview. We just had Shelley on talking about black crown. Yeah, um, I even have the I even have the details. It's on Friday from five forty five to six forty five. Okay. In room one A zero two. So uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be great. And you know, I don't know if you've been talking to New York people, but I think they had like 800 panel requests for 130 spots or something oh, yeah. crazy. Oh please, I yeah, stopped, so. I stopped submitting because of that. Honestly, it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, it, no, I get it, and I'm glad. Well, and I'm glad they're making room for this because yeah. And and no offense to the convention, they're not the only convention to do it. But then you know you see speed dating and some of the some of the other well, games I, that they play at the con, and it's like. Really? You're don't tell me you're not speed dating. Use a panel room for that? Okay. I guess. Yeah. No, I hear you, but you know, I mean, a little something for everybody, I guess. Well, and that's fair, but but I but I I want I want smart panels. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. And honestly, uh, what Shelley is proposing with the black is so is Shelley's thing going to be about the Black Crown magazine, or is it going to be about the whole line? As far the whole line, actually. Okay. The and are you line, doing, yeah. because we're, I wanted to talk about this as well with you, your imprint. So is it about your right. imprint in general or specifically about, or, or because Full Bleed right now is the primary product coming from your imprint? Well, you basically just touched on the whole thing. Yeah, it's I'll, I'll touch on the whole imprint and the plan overall, but the plan overall at this point does revolve around Full Bleed. I mean, uh, and just the short version now. So the idea is we actually, Ted and I had a, a little more aggressive out-of-the-gate plan in terms of other books we were going to do, but it became obvious that putting out a 200-page quarterly hardcover magazine was all-consuming. And, and, you know, the the example I've made to a couple people is, if you, you know, you flip open the first page of the magazine and there's that long masthead of all the people involved in putting it together. Currently, that masthead is me. You know, <laughs> and so and he, that's that's disingenuous because there are you know plenty of great designers and editors have been helping me and and all that stuff. But yeah, so but the idea is that full bleed is going to generate all sorts of, for lack of a better term, I, I actually I keep saying the word content and I kind of hate that. I, I mentioned this to somebody else yesterday that I you know they're stories, it's art. Yeah, I hate the word content, with, but that's yeah. you know that's what it is. But um. We're generating so much stuff that of and of all different kinds that I can see within a couple of years it's going to be time for you know the best of the interviews, the best of the fiction, the best of the comics that you know, and then in addition we've got certain people, Mark Russell, who you probably know from Flintstones and who's awesome, is doing a great he's doing a great thing for us. Um, and it's going to be serialized, so every volume is going to have a couple of chapters from Mark's thing. And then at the you know end of a year or so, we've got a book. Interesting. And, uh, okay. Right. That's the idea that basically the, the all of the stories you see in Full Bleed, probably most of them are going to show up in another book later on. 
in a more of a sort of genre based collection, that sort of a thing. But uh, and then beyond that, there are plans to do other books as well. We've got a, a bunch of different ideas. I've been getting a lot of pitches, to, especially since this was announced. Um, so there will be more as well, but I may have to hire somebody to help before we get to that. <laughs> I understand. You know, yeah. all right, and and you know, all right, this is where my knuckleheadness comes in. What was Plimpton's magazine? Was it Paris Review or Paris Match? Oh God, I think Paris Review. I but think so too. Let's all right. I mean, we can both together, be, exactly. So all right, sure. fine. But really, this is again. This is I, I like. I like the idea of this because. It it elevates the medium, and it, as it should yeah. be. I mean, and that's uh, truly, man. This that's is, the idea. Well, yeah. I hope it does. Well, and that's and honestly, that's that's been kind of my intent with doing the word balloon interviews and stuff. And yeah, you know, don't get me wrong. I still have my episodes where I'm yelling about you know what I don't like about Star Trek Discovery. And <laughs> sure, I admit as you to that. So there's yeah, I guess you know there's my highest. That's my high and lowest or family circle kind of uh, stuff. No offense to those comic sure. strips, but no, 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 but no, no yeah, no. no I I want to. I I mean, that's the thing. I do think that the medium has has graduated and needs to start being taken seriously and let yeah. and let people who make the interesting stuff talk about the ideas behind those what inspires them creatively what they're thinking about beyond the industry and 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 truly right. like the world so I, this is good yeah, thanks, John. And, and you know, it's at the same time when you alluded to high and lowest and stuff, we also want some stuff in there that's actually just fun. You know, it, I mean, I, I think we have some fairly high-minded ideas about what we want to do, but I, I also don't want it to be like reading a Dostoevsky oh, yeah. book. Oh, yeah. You yeah know, this so isn't comics vegetables. No, it's not. Right. No, 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 no. There's, there's, there's some great just sort of fun stuff. And this story by a guy named Gideon Kendall. I don't know if you know Gideon, but he's, he's a great cartoonist. He did a story about his first trip to Comic-Con in the 90s when he was yeah he was like hijacked by a couple of uh, guys with a van full of long boxes it's it's just a hilarious <laughs> story you know so it's it's not all uh you know war and peace i'm with you man no no that's true yeah. well all right and let me ask you also uh culturally slash politically would you sure. welcome someone from the you know i mean there's 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 two camps yes. kind of out there so yeah would you welcome something from uh, a, yeah, a, a, I, a right perspective quite sincerely i totally would i mean you know i uh, my father was a republican growing up and i and people would be shocked to know that not I, i'm a bit of an anarchist at times but i have you know a few conservative views when it comes to you know foreign policies and things okay. that you know but i mean beyond all that my my opinion doesn't necessarily matter you know i mean i i'm putting this thing together but i don't want it to just be my voice by any stretch that's one of the reasons i'm trying to get as many people with as many kinds of different and that includes republican i mean i am okay. good friends with billy i'm good friends with billy tucci sure. i like billy a lot we happen to have polar opposite views on almost everything but, you know, Billy, if you're listening, shoot me a pitch and I, you know, unless it's real bad, I just might put it in here. I, you know, I, I, I think that's important. I actually think there's something to the idea well beyond comics that of, of this echo chamber, you know, yes, where I think the that, bubble and that, all you're hearing is your own opinions. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, I mean, I've honestly, you know, I have plenty of people on social media and Facebook and whatever that. I cannot take their political views. They're the polar opposite of me, but I don't block them and I don't get rid of them because I want to hear what they have to say. And, you know, 
I mean, I, that's that's just me. I, you know, I'll I'll flip past Fox News once in a while just to get angry. You know, I'm with you. I do the same uh, thing. No, and also, yeah. and I have conservative friends as well, and some comic creator conservative friends that I sure. disagree with politically, but we can still you know be friends and and still have a nice conversation and agree to disagree right. when it comes to politics and the like. But yeah, I, it's. It's interesting out there, man. I mean, you know, I'm, you, yeah. I'm sure you're reading the same stuff I am, specifically of what's going on in the geek culture and how angry uh, things are getting, and, yeah. and just a lot. I, I, I don't know, man. The the torchbearer, you know, when when the villagers have the torches, and it's like, uh, not only do I disagree with that person, but they shouldn't have a career anymore. That's where I kind of draw the line and get a little angry. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, on I, both sides, and here on both sides, on both sides, if I could be. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I I agree. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it ends up betraying my age and when I've grown, you yeah. know, I just, uh, you know, I end up sounding like my dad all the time, just like, what, what is going on? I, you know, I'm moving to the woods, you know. I, but I, I, I do think there's some, some, some real truth to that. I'm, I am a, you know. I, I'm a I, I'm a free speech guy through and through. Yeah, man. So, no, that's you know. I say that's our Clark Kent gene. I mean, that's the thing, man. We grew up with Clark Kent. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And again, yeah. I'm not saying that it's cool to incite violence. I'm not saying it's cool no. to wish another side dead or any other extreme violence that you can think of. But that said, no. it's like you know, it's like I, I don't. I, you know, again, I, I think there. Well, there's got to be a dialogue because we all have to live together. And figure it out. Right. So, yeah. But anyway, that's, you know, and, yeah. and the last thing I'll say sure. on that topic is that, you know, I, you know, there are also real issues out there, you know, and, and that are brought to light via this sort of thing. And I do think it's important that, you know, to attack the issues that get people so angry and to go and, and to, you know, I don't want to just like bury my head on the carpet and say there aren't things that are, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, my only sort of issues are more with the way that it's sometimes done. You know, I, the 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 pitchfork and, and yeah, torch crowd. Yeah, I think you said it better than I. Have, no, but, well, yeah. I appreciate I appreciate that. Well, let's let's get back to the book itself. What yeah. what what led to this? What wasn't happening for you in what you were doing in comics that you're like Ted? I need to do this. Well, that's you know, it's an it's an interesting, hard to answer question because I you know I was happy with what I was doing at, at IDW, and I still remain in contact with those guys all the time. And and you know, I loved marketing comic books for IDW, and I still do it sort of you know by happenstance. But uh, it was more it just sort of organically grew out of these conversations with Ted, and and that we basically came to the same point. He was like, why don't you do this now on a personal level? I also was anxious to get back to Portland because my wife and stepkids are here. Cool. And I spent about seven years flying back and forth every week between Portland and San Diego. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. So, That's amazing, man. Yeah. So I was commuting. I was a West coast commuter. I flew, you know, and so for almost seven years, I got up every Monday morning at 4am and caught the 6am flight into the office. And then Friday afternoon I'd fly home and that lifestyle on a personal level just ground into me. And so, and Ted knew that, you know, and, and I mean, a lot of people knew that they saw how I looked on Monday mornings, you know? And so, uh, it was just, it, it's, there was no real moment where I can pinpoint it, but it's sort of organically over multiple conversations. It became Ted and I talking about let's open up an office in Portland because everybody else is doing it. And I, you know, that sounds, you know, that sounds like the, the wrong reason. Basically it was like, Hey, there's a scene up there. We should be a part of this thing. Um, and 
he also knew I wanted to stop flying every week. And then we thought about, well, what are we going to do up there? You know, besides just, you know, have a, a foothold in the Portland scene. And we thought, let's do this magazine, you know. And so I, it wasn't so much that I had any problems with what I was already doing. It was more like when we started talking about this, I was like, that sounds fun. You know, I mean, that sounds sure. great, I, you know. And, uh, you know, the next, now, of course, that I'm in the middle of it, I can't imagine doing anything else or having not done it. But it was very organic in the way it, it came about. Well, as you say now, the the that full bleed will be the main focus right now for, for your imprint. But can you give uh -huh. us an idea of what else we can expect from – and forgive me now because I'm looking for the title of – what is your the title of your imprint again? Woodworks. Woodworks. Sorry, actually. I thought it was. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So, which wasn't my idea. It was my friend Khalil Schweitzer's idea. But, you know, I'll blame him. Sounds but good. It was a good <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, at any rate, yeah. And so, I, I, there's not a lot I can tell you about what's coming beyond books collecting full bleed stuff, other than I will say that, that we're probably not going to launch with sort of standard comic book. My, you know, I, I don't foresee us doing, you know, uh, four floppies in a trade type business, you know. Now, and that's also not to say we're not going to do digital stuff. I'm sure that we will. You know, Full Bleed will remain a print only publication, but we're going to do stuff that follows a little more traditional comic model after that. I also plan, and this is sort of full disclosure, that for Full Bleed, what I'd like to do eventually is create some digital only content that runs alongside the magazine for example if we interview someone then we'll you know, you can also go digital to buy a story by them or something like that so, so the magazine will always stay print only but that doesn't mean we won't generate digital content okay so there will so there will be that but uh i i don't foresee us doing a lot of because honestly the creator owned comics things like that which i love that's something idw already does well yeah, I mean, and so the, there has to be something to sort of be like, why does it need to be produced in Portland? Why does it have to be a separate thing? And so I, I yeah, and there's a few things I just can't tell you about yet okay. as much as I'd like to. But, yeah, there, there'll, there'll be some books you would not expect IDW to do, but make perfect sense for IDW PDX to do, if that makes sense. OK, you know, I, I really think it's great, both what you're doing with Woodworks and also Black Crown, that IDW is oh, yeah. kind of like yeah. – stretching and going in these directions and i'm glad that you know ted and the the other powers that be are, are you know innovating this yeah. way because it's it's kind of you know again not to pick on vertigo because i do think there's good i mean and really young animal obviously there's a lot of energy coming out of that. oh sure but vertigo yeah. kind of lost its way for a little while while it was in transition i think moving away from karen Berger and and uh, new york sure. to burbank and there was this kind of just period of like, oh, I don't know what Vertigo is anymore. And I think yeah. that uh, what Shelley's doing with Black Crown, and then really I think like an idea like Full Bleed and everything, I think this is great because I do think this is what comics need and and, and is has been missing for a couple of years. Yeah, thanks, John. Yeah, you know, and Vertigo, I mean, they suffer, one thing they suffer from is that, you know, for, uh, God, 15 or 20 years, the stuff they put out was so good. You know, that it's like, I mean, that's, you're almost doomed by your own success. You know, I mean, it's, it, I mean. Yeah. How do you follow Neil Gaiman? How do you follow yeah. 100 Bullets and Azzarello? How do you follow Jason Aaron's, sure. you know, uh, Scalped and things like that? No, yeah. Or Garth and Preacher. Preacher, and, you know, yes. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, that, I read almost nothing but Vertigo for years, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, no, I, I totally, and I love what Shelly's up to. I think it's genius. She's got a, you know, her whole, the, the I mean, the, those of you who are listening to this should listen to the podcast that John did with her because it's, it is great. Oh, well, and, uh, yeah, I was just along for the ride, but yeah, no, no. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, her whole concept of the shared street and yeah. shared pub is such, it, you know, just no, no one's ever done it before. I, you know, but to touch on the IDW, I, Ted said it actually in our press release that IDW is at its best when they're doing something new. And I, and I think it's, I think that's true. I mean, ironically, one of the things that drew me to working at IDW was how aggressive they were out of the gate for digital. You know, I mean, it, which is funny when we're having this conversation, but it's true. I was, you know, I, I was looking for my sort of next career path. I looked at IDW and was like, these guys are smart. They're trying new things. They're going after, you know, and I mean, I, you know, that there's a ton of great people at IDW, but that all goes to the top to Ted. I mean, like, you know, th- that sort of entrepreneurial spirit is just like, yeah, every time you think you, you've got us pegged, there's uh, some new wrinkle. And so, uh, I'm just uh, lucky and honored that this new wrinkle is mine. How much hand selling to retailers are you doing for uh, Full Bleed? Uh, quite a bit. You know, it was I, unfortunately the, the the only sort of bad timing department is that the retailer summit happened in the spring this year instead of in the fall. Because I would have loved to have seen everybody. Um, you know, I, I I would say this. I've talked to the comic book retailers are some of my favorite people on earth. They just say, you know, I mean, we just get along swimmingly. I hope they agree. But, uh, you know, I mean, part of I, I attribute 90 percent of my success in this business, which, is, you know, is what it is. I attribute to the fact I was working in a comic shop in 1993. You know, I my first job was working at Things From Another World. And that experience on the front lines in retail, even though it has changed dramatically, the core, what it is, has never changed for me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think, you know, I mean, that I learned more in a couple of years of working in comic shops than I, for this business than I would have learned going to any business school. You know, and so they've all, so yeah, I mean, the, that's a long answer for basically, I've definitely been talking to all of my retailer friends. Um, I had a long conversation with Brian Hibbs right after this was announced. He, he called me up and he and we, you know, he and I talk all, often, although not enough these days. But uh, but I love Brian. And, you know, I mean, it was not an easy conversation. He wasn't thrilled that we were going to Kickstarter, but I understood that. And we talked about some of the and I don't want to paraphrase for Brian, but we had what I thought was a, a positive conversation about the plan with this. And some of what we talked about directly, I mean, we thought we had an entirely cohesive plan for this in terms of how diamond was involved but he threw a couple things at me that i thought wow that makes sense and that sort of led to us going with the over the overprinting plan well i always knew we were going to overprint but and offering it a certain way after the fact and yada yada that's anyway no honestly that's a long answer but you know what i mean. No, but i want that's again that's well first of all it's inspiring more questions so that <laughs> so okay that's, good and honestly sure. yeah I, I think again i think anyone looking at uh just the announcement would be like, well, what's going on with the direct market? Because again, as we, you know, as as listeners here are reminded of all the time, obviously the retailers really are the core audience as far as the direct yeah. market goes. Obviously, because they buy the product directly from the publisher, then it goes to the reader. So you really yeah. are relying on the tastes and whims, <clears throat> and I don't mean that in any uh, ju- judgmental way when I say whims, but truly, really it's it's yeah. every. Every store has their very specific reasons why they do or don't carry certain books. And, and right. that's fair because 
they're beholden then to their customers. And, and it's a question of, all right, how many pull, pull lists do I have? And as we know, and you know even more directly working at a comic store, you know, the profit margin at a store is so thin that, you know, a bad yeah. month could literally put you out of business. So, right. so it is those kind of choices that they have to make. And that's why, as, as we said, we're embarrassed by how much good uh, content is out there right now for stores to have and for, for consumers to buy. But it's a yeah. uh, the market in a lot of ways is more tough than ever. Yeah, it doesn't make it any easier. That's for sure. So it's a, you know, yeah. I mean, that, that's I mean, in comic, that they're our most important customers without a, without yeah. a doubt. And so, I mean, that's when I when you know when I tell you or anybody else about the fact that you know this is a sincere plea to reach comic shops, even though that sounds disingenuous by running a Kickstarter, it's really true. I mean, the the, the idea is now if this comes to fruition, we shall see. But let's uh, let's take uh, Shop X, right? Mm-hmm. There's just a take you take your random comic shop. The, my contention is, let's say we just solicited Full Bleed, and they go, "Oh, that looks pretty cool. It's a twenty-five dollar hardcover." I've only got some. You know, I, I only sold one comics journal when they were finishing up. I'm an order two, right? You know, let's let's say that's the case, and then we go to Kickstarter. Let's say one of the two people that was going to buy that from their store buys it on Kickstarter and the other one says they want it in the shop. Well, the idea is I want to create enough steam around this that all of a sudden that shop is selling five copies. You know, that's that they know what it is. They've got people that are somewhat excited about it. And that can, you know, now, of course, I'd like every comic shop in America to sell more than five copies. But you know what I I mean? know exactly what you mean. And yeah, yeah. that's the thing. And again, when you're when you're dealing with this kind of unique product that is twenty five dollars, that is a quarterly magazine and stuff. That's yeah, that's why it's interesting. I mean, McSweeney's, it always seemed like it was a yearly uh, kind of innovation. And even maybe they skipped a couple of years in between over the years. I I, I don't know. I'm I'm betting that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they're not they're not crazy like we are, I guess. <laughs> but. but no, it's um again, I think it's it, it's a good gamble based on the uh the people that you've assembled to to make this uh you know, the comics and the articles and and all. So, uh, yeah, I, I I again, I'm really glad that the company is doing it. And I and I would say Thank too you. it makes sense to to for a proof of concept thing to have, you know, go directly to readers and Kickstarter and at least have a core that can support the production of the product and everything. So yeah, and and you know the, the the thing is about that, and this 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 is true that you know I uh, and this is probably more than I even should say, but I'll say it anyway. So you know everybody take it easy on me. But but basically, you know I've seen other publishers running Kickstarters. No one else has tried to bring retailers in in quite the way that we have. And quite honestly, this was, a, you know, this will sound super grandiose compared to like, I don't expect this book is going to save a shop. You know, I mean, you're going to sell so many of these. Hopefully it fills a niche that's been dissatisfied for a while. But this was a, a sincere attempt for me to create a business model that if publishers beyond just IDW start moving to Kickstarter, that, it, that we create a way for comic shops to be involved with that. And I mean, I, I, it's sort of like I don't want to be the bearer of bad news for direct market, but I don't suspect that, I, that we're the last publisher that's going to try going to Kickstarter. You know, I hear you. And, and, and I thought, boy, I would like to 
find a way to make this work for the direct market. You know, when when some project comes along that any old publisher wants to do that may has the potential to be much larger than Full Bleed, whether it's a real mainstream offering or whatever the case is, that there's at least a model they can follow that gets comic shops involved. And so, I you know, if it's going to work out that way, I will, we time will tell, I suppose. And I but I'm getting some positive feedback from the retailers on that score, and I really hope that's the way it works. I'm looking at you know? I'm looking at your campaign page and the retail. Can we go over the retailer tier? It's right there on the on the page. So, sure. So it says to qualify, you mu- it's basically two for the price of one, right? So right. so they're getting so they're getting you know twelve fifty each. To, to yep. you know, okay, so yeah, and to qualify, you must hold a diamond account in good standing. Your order will be filled right. with diamond at a two to one rate. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any other. Uh, I mean, again, they they have to be qualified as a, as a real retailer to 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 yep. do this, which I think is smart. Right. And also, yeah, yep. I mean, I, I think that's a that's a good deal then for the for the retailer. Uh, you know, again, that's a that's a nice profit margin if they're able to sell the copies and everything. So. Sure. You know, you know and I, I think, you know, I mean, there may be accounts out there that have over 50 percent discounts. And it's a slight decrease from what they would get it at. But okay. I would hope the shipping, the shipping, I would hope would make up for that, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that that was the idea that, you know, that to create something that's comic shop heavy. Now, we plan on when we talk about more things that Woodworks is going to do, we're definitely going to make books that we sell everywhere. You know, that we sell into you know, bookshops and Amazon and comic shops and everything. Um, this was but but this one I wanted to make if we if we were going to use Kickstarter, which we were, then I wanted it to be essentially a direct market exclusive after that fact. So hopefully and I think that message is kind of getting out. I You know, I think that that hopefully now, you know. A year down the road, will it look like, boy, we should have offered it everywhere in the first place and make it a soft cover and sell it everywhere? That's possible. But, I, you know, hopefully this is launched in a way that it's going to – they're, they're going to be able to sell more than they would have otherwise. I'm with you. That's the idea. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, 200 pages, hardcover. I mean, it's – no, it's a nice product and I think at a reasonable price given given the product that you're you're selling. And, again, I, I, I can only tell people what I read – uh, which was, you know, and I don't even think it was necessarily half, maybe a third of, of the book. Yeah. But it's oh, no. no, I honestly, I, I thought all the material was was absolutely great. And based on what you are publicizing with uh, the Stephen King piece and the Alan Moore piece yeah. and uh, Shelley talking to Gerard Way, uh, no, I think I think it's it's good and and also it's a it's a fair price for the content you're getting. It's an interesting time. I, I it'll be and you're you're obviously it taking is. the gamble in terms of what kind of readership there is for this kind of product because like we said we grew up on things like the comics journal and stuff and i'm i'm yeah. with you man I, I literally when i go through dollar bins i'm looking for old amazing heroes and and comics oh, yeah. because that was what was interesting was hearing what was on creators minds as they were making the stuff what was going sure. on and i and again this is partially what i try to do with word balloon when i talk to creators about their stories too um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm for this kind of content. Um, yeah. And also, you know, again, the choice to not do ads, you know, from an aesthetic standpoint, it, it makes sense. And also, uh, again, I think uh, readers are just getting the product. That's all. That's all they want. Yeah. And that's that's cool. But yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. And I and I certainly you know wish you wish you luck with this because uh, thank well, you. Yeah, we want more. Yeah. We want more stuff like this. I, I mean, we I, do. You know, I truly. I, I want it as a consumer. I want there to be this kind of discussion going on a lot of the and and again i don't mean to shit on uh my friends who work at some of these comic news blogs and stuff but you know a right. lot of them have been bought out and the and the real 
water carriers that love comics and stuff sold to bigger conglomerates who now are yeah. very happy to give you the top 10 reasons why Superman sucks or the top yeah. the top 15 heroes you don't think about anymore. And we're not really getting the thoughtful pieces we used to uh, that I think the, yeah. the, the, the the beginnings of the Internet was able to provide digitally. Uh, you know, yeah. when the magazines stopped uh, being, you know, I, well, I guess partially because we were getting free content online. And maybe that's what yeah. killed the, the, the smarter uh, publications. But yeah, I also think I, now we're I at a so. yeah. I mean, now we're really at a point where I get more content out of a Bazooka Joe rapper than I do, you know, right. <laughs> from the comic not, that, not that I don't get sucked into those top ten things. Oh, I'm always do. mad. Oh, we absolutely yeah. all do, man. Clickbait, yeah. absolutely, man. No, there, there's no doubt. But yeah, I think you're right, and I, I think that that's a, actually a, a good point. Is that I think the sort of eh, for lie, and again, not to shit on our friends, but for the the, the dumbing down of internet content and comics and beyond. This is sort of a direct counter programming to that. I mean, you know, that that just for people that want to read this stuff. Now, would we service more people ultimately by putting that online and creating long online think pieces? That may be true. This may be a fool's errand, and but it just has to. I just love books, and so does Ted. And so that's you know that's that. But uh, that doesn't mean we won't in the future create some stuff like that. I you sure. know, and the the larger world, you know, the the New Yorker still kicking, oh, and yeah. Atlantic, I think, and you know, things like that. Well, and exactly, but, and, and I think the bigger general publications are finding ways to survive and change yeah. and stuff. But in the niche of, uh, of comics and stuff, yeah, I mean, we've seen great publications come and go. And, uh, right. and, you know, yeah, so it's, again, it's an interesting time. And, I mean, you know, got, you know, good good uh, comic news websites like Comics Alliance. I didn't agree with everything they said, but I, I thought they were a fine, you know, thing, and they folded. They were great, yeah. You know, I mean, so... No, it's it's hard. And again, I mean, hey, I'm uh, you know, you're looking at one of the one man operations that you know I'm trying to do what that's right. What, what little what little contributions I can make and stuff. And I oh, you're doing plenty. well. And, and I have my uh, you know I have my Patreon uh, subscribers that kind of keep this going and everything. And sure, you know, uh, we'll 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 see. I mean, it's a, again interesting time, and I, I think it's I'm glad I'm glad that uh, what you guys are doing with this, and I and I hope that it works. And, uh, Thank you, John. Yeah, man. No, Thanks and uh, I look forward to hearing uh, the panel in uh, New York and seeing you guys directly. Absolutely. And uh, no, uh, let this experiment continue, and we can check in uh, as uh, it co- comes time for each volume. If you please, want. please do. Oh, that'd be great. Absolutely, Dirk. absolutely, man. No, you know, honestly, uh, it's funny. I was talking to Art Baltazar today, and uh, oh, I love and, Art. And he mutual respect, and he says, "Make sure you tell Dirk I said hey." But I was telling him good. that you know I was lucky enough to be there for some of your. Uh, direct market uh, spiels at Diamond Summits over the years, and oh, you know, thanks, well, you yeah. know, hey man, I, I just you know appreciated the past, and I was always like, let me be a fly on the wall, let, let me hear what really retailers have to say to the publishers and stuff. And no, yeah. you're you're a great marketer, and I think uh, you you do understand. Oh, thanks. So uh, so yeah. this is good. I think I think this kind of content is in good hands, and uh, yeah, I just hope. Well, thank you. Hey, I hope I hope uh, the you know the word balloon audience is listening and find it intriguing. We'll go to the Kickstarter page, read about it yep. more because I think there's a lot of good information there. And based on our conversation, I hope they make a an educated judgment on uh, on uh, you know leaning towards full bleed. I could not agree more, John. And look, it's you know you're in comics too. It's a labor of love. Yeah, None of us are getting rich. You know, I mean, even these things that like the comics journal and whatnot, that's not like they sold X-Men numbers back in the day. So we had to try something <laughs> a little bit different to get the word out. You know what I mean? I do. 
Absolutely, mm-hmm. I do. Well, good luck with this, man, and uh, let's uh, thank let's, you. Uh, let's uh, let's uh, plan on another conversation in a quarter, and uh, please, and see, that would be and, great. And, yeah, take a temperature of full bleed and see how things are going. That sounds great, John. Thanks so much for the chat, Dirk Wood. Uh, go to the Kickstarter campaign and check out the details. I think you might want to be involved. I think this is a great book at a great price, and uh, I, I wish him all the success with this because, like I said, I got to see about a third of the book. And it's pretty impressive. And knowing uh, the other two-thirds, what's in there and what he's described, sounds pretty neat. And uh, we need, you know, like I said, we need stuff like this out there uh, in the comics culture uh, to go beyond just the stories. Let's talk about this stuff. That's Like I said, that's what I try to do here at Word Balloon. And uh, I honestly think that uh, Dirk's got a great project that is uh, worth your time and money. So check out Dirk Wood's uh, Full Bleed Kickstarter campaign. And like I said, we'll uh, check in with Dirk and see how the success is going uh, for this uh, quarterly edition. I hope you enjoyed today's Word Balloon. It was brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much again, League, for your support. If you'd like to subscribe to Word Balloon, you don't have to, but if you can spare it, I think Word Balloon is uh, worth the uh, time and uh, effort that I try to put in, and hopefully you're entertained. Um, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash wordballoon. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. They have a ton of IDW books at uh, InStock Trades at great prices. And here, you know, I'm just going to randomly put in IDW and see what happens and what pops up originally, you know, initially. I mean, you know, we're talking about not only their great licensed books like the Star Trek stuff, Godzilla. From 30 Days of Night, you can get Volume 4. It's called Bloodsucker Tales. It's a bunch of great writers and artists that uh, came in and wrote some uh, short stories in the 30 Days of Night universe. It's 30% off, $17.49. You can get uh, Nightmare from Rick Remender. This is one of Rick's early classics. It's 30% off, and it is um, Kieran Dwyer, by the way, doing the art on this book. It's uh, $13.99. You can get CSI, Dying in the Gutters, which was hilarious, uh, it's a CSI event that happens at a Las Vegas comic book convention. And uh, among the deaths, uh, Rich Johnson from Bleeding Cool. He's the he's the murder victim. Steve Grant and Stephen Mooney did this fun book a few years back. And it's 30% off. It's $13.99. You can get the complete Dick Tracy Volume 1 hardcover. Uh, Chester Gould at the very beginning. A very different style than what he settled into and Dick Losher, who the uh, the artist that uh, was uh, Chester's uh, main artist for so many years. And in fact, Dick Losher even uh, did a few years with Max Allen Collins. But this is ancient Dick Tracy right at the beginning of 1931, seven years before Action Comics number one. Think about that. This is really like, you know, the beginnings of, of uh, the modern era of comics. I understand that they go back to the turn of the century, but... This is cool stuff. Uh, it is 30% off, $20.99 from in-stock trades. Uh, of course, the Transformers franchise, shame on me for not even thinking of that, and of course, the G.I. Joe franchise. You can get lots of Transformer trade paperbacks ranging from prices of $8.99 to $13.99, all at uh, in-stock trades. I mentioned Star Trek. There's the Next Generation trade, The Space Between, Dave Tif- Tishman and Casey Maloney doing this uh, 20th anniversary uh, Star Trek story. So this is from 2007. Now we're on the 30th anniversary. Can you believe it? That's amazing. 30% off, $13.99. Box Office Poison, Alex Robinson, 
What a tremendous book. There's a great indie book. I wonder if Alex will be doing anything for the full bleed. 30% off. It's uh, $34.96 for the complete hardcover from In Stock Trades. Check it out. Lots of great IDW product waiting for you at InStockTrades.com. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions. Copyright 2017.